Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is podcast from the past the postcard podcast this is the podcast where we scrutinize old picture postcards front and back but not for serial numbers and printers names instead we want to try and understand what it was that caused my guests to keep hold of these ephemeral cardboard oblongs as i say each time i welcome two guests and it's their postcards that act as little handheld prompts to send us hurtling towards memories mysteries and stories I'm Tom Jackson, and I'm delighted to say that my guests today are actress and presenter and national treasure, Maria McCurlin, and <laughs> professor of philosophy, Mark Kingwell. Mark and Maria, welcome to Podcast from the Past. Thank you for asking us. Yeah, good to be here. Now, Mark Kingwell, as I say, is a professor of philosophy at the University of Toronto, and his 18th book, count them, 18th book, uh, Wish I Were Here takes a philosophical look at boredom, social media, and what Mark calls the interface. Perhaps most importantly, he manages to squeeze into the book some postcards, not just as uh, concepts and talking points, but actual colour plates illustrating postcards. We're going to hear a little bit more about Mark's uh, ideas in the book later, as the postcards reveal themselves. Mark joins us today bearing a New Haven, Connecticut postmark. Yes. So why is that, Mark? Well, I, I lived in New Haven for four years when I was doing my PhD in philosophy. And um, one of the things about uh, New Haven, for anyone who's who's visited there, is that, of course, it's home to uh, an Ivy League university, but it's also a blue-collar industrial town. And uh, the Winchester Repeating Arms Factory was just down the street from where I was living for most of that uh, four years. And uh, it, it, it was a carriage trade town way back in the day. So it's always had a kind of industrial feel and uh, uh, connections to New York, of course, but also to Chicago and Montreal. And uh, so uh, I just, I thought of the of the places I've lived, I've lived in Toronto for many years and I've lived in Edinburgh and uh, Cambridge and, and other places, but uh, the places that probably had the biggest effect on, on my life course, I would have to pick New Haven. And was that because it was a particular time in your life when you were still forming your kind of uh, academic uh, personality? Or? That's partly it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because uh, I started my PhD without a any thought of, of having an academic career. And, and then um, uh, 
nevertheless, that's what I ended up doing, which I, I love. I think it's the best job in the world. <laughs> uh, but the other things about New Haven are, um, at the time I was living there in the 1980s, it had the highest per capita murder rate of any city in the United States. Oh, my and, God. Uh, well, that wasn't connected to the gun factory, was it? Uh, not not directly, uh, although guns were, were available everywhere if you wanted them. Um, it, a lot of it was uh, drug trade related. Uh, it's it's a, a predominantly black and Latino community, even though it's sort of figured as white. Uh, so all of these things make it, in my mind, a kind of microcosm of uh, of America as a as a kind of big concept. Um, but I also, I, I met so many brilliant people there and I had wonderful teachers and mentors. So, uh, it really kind of brings a lot of my life experience to one place. Wonderful. And it stays with you. Yes, absolutely. So Mark, here's the question. Do you still send postcards? I, I do, but, uh, certainly not frequently. So it's usually a kind of, uh, act of faith. It's almost like, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the rare times I go to church, uh, so if I if I'm on the road somewhere uh, and I before COVID I traveled a great deal for work, uh, I would stop sometimes um, and send a postcard, usually to to my spouse here in Toronto. Uh, but uh, what's maybe more interesting is I get postcards from my students on their travels. Oh really? And yeah, uh, and that's, is that because they know that you have an interest or? Yeah, it is, and it's also that they share it, but. Uh, it's it's such a nice thing. It it feels so uh, kind of throwback and wonderful to get a postcard uh, sitting in my my mailbox at, at the at the college where I teach. Well, I think uh, the the joy of receiving a postcard is so easy to understand that it shouldn't be such a great leap for us to realise it's quite nice to send them as well. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Well, we'll find out more about those cards in a bit. Um, you, listeners, will know Maria McCurlin uh, from her many appearances on Radio 2, particularly, and more recently on Virgin Radio, um, appearing alongside uh, Graham Norton. Uh, but in her long career, you've also heard and seen her countless times in comedy shows and serious acting, here, there and everywhere. And Maria <laughs> comes to us today with a TN34 Hastings postmark. Yes, indeed. Although it is actually more St. Leonard's, but St. Oh. Leonard's is, is to Hastings as Hove is to Brighton. And and not grand enough to have its own postmark? <laughs> no, apparently not. In fact, you know, just telling you that today made me slightly furious and I'm writing to Sally Ann Hart as we speak. <laughs> and this is where you spend a lot of time down in Hastings? I do, yes. I have a place in London too, but um, haven't really used it because, you know, no work, no life in London, no life anywhere, really. <laughs> so it's I'm very lucky to be by the sea, which has been a source of great calm during these last kind of 10 months, isn't it? Um, and a small dog, which helps. Oh, lovely, lovely. And I heard quite a lot of seaside places have been sort of full of people turning up from outside to kind of try and get some of that calm have you have you had invasions at Hastings or is it okay? well a lot of people say they have but you know look I don't know I, I can't be one of those sort of you know how dare you come to our town Nazis because look it's a very small world we're all suffering everyone's allowed to have some exercise I what are we going to do <laughs> frankly mm. you know good luck to them it's a very big sea and it's a very big beach and yes. people can isolate so um yeah. I am looking forward to looking out at the sea. I think that's the one thing would be would be a nice feeling. 
Well, I've always felt sort of living near the sea, which I've always kind of slightly gravitated towards, is that, you know, in every er other area of life, you have four sides to your views, whereas you have a whole 180 degrees of sea here. Mm. So when everything gets bad on those other sides, those other views in the square, one can look out <laughs> and uh, just, you know, lose yourself in a very big horizon. Yes, there's a vision of an escape, if, even if there isn't a real escape. Yeah. Although I swim, so that's an escape. Oh, in the sea? It's very cold at the moment, let me tell you that. It's four degrees. Wow, but you're still doing it? Yeah, because it stops my mind frazzling. Brilliant. But it probably numbs your mind. You probably can't think. Numbs everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely when it stops, Tom. Yeah, good for you, though. Now, Maria, when did you last send a postcard? Well, I sent a few postcards in the summer, um, to various folk, you know, as a way of keeping in touch, Zooms are annoying and, you know, certain people that I haven't seen for a long time and probably won't see for a long time. And, uh, yeah, so I'm a big postcard sender and Good. I collect them too. Uh, there are lots and lots of junk shops here, junk shops and retro shops and so on. So I, um, often go through them and, um, keep particularly amusing ones or, pretty ones or whatever, old ones I like, particularly, oh, you know, really? the older the better. Um, so, I, you know, I like the process of it. And in fact, I do remember being on holiday in Blackpool <laughs> when I was about nine, being completely obsessed with dirty postcards. Oh. You know, those ones that say sort of a big lady with large bosoms who say, no, I told you to get some lemon, not my melons or things <laughs> like that, you know, double entendre type. <laughs> <laughs> or single entendre, indeed. And so began a great career. <laughs> oh, yes. And my early, my early comedy steals were jokes from Dirty Postcards. Yeah, well, those, and those are kind of intriguing and a bit strange for when you're young as well, when you're a child, because you only half understand the jokes. Well, yes, they're quite often about bosoms and about, you know, little willy and it's somebody having a wee in the sea or some such. But uh, I, I just know as a Catholic, my parents are quite strict. I was always, you know, quite cleverly steered away from the one of those spinning carousel things that had the dirty postcards on to go and look at the views instead or the uh, pictures of Blackpool Tower. Uh, so I could tell that they wouldn't, they didn't really like me doing it, which yes. obviously made me want to do it more. <laughs> the increased allure. Very good. Well, before we see and hear about the cards that uh, Maria and Mark have prepared for today, uh, I'll give you a quick card of mine. This is um, a postcard from the past card, like I do on Twitter and in the book. So it's an old card from which I'm selecting just a part of the message. So um, today, because we're not all face-to-face -face in the studio, um, my guests have sort of dope sheets with them with pictures of the cards pre-printed. So uh, if you'd like to turn to page three, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's a picture of a sort of rather gothic-looking bit of architecture. It's the Market Cross at Chichester. Ah, oh, is that what it is? With a, with a traffic policeman at the bottom right. Uh-huh. He's obviously decided he wanted to be there the day they took the picture for the for the postcard. Um and this is a strange one, really. Um it's it's actually quite a nice card. It's it's from nineteen seventy two, sent from Chichester, and it was actually written in Pontin's holiday camp at Selsey on the twenty sixth of August nineteen seventy two, height of summer. Um and I just like the way they, they, they express themselves. This is a, someone called Arthur writing to Mr and Mrs Ford in Leatherhead in Surrey. Not so far away from there, really. And he says, um, 
Just to say, we're enjoying ourselves here in company of about a thousand others. So you can guess that it's a bit noisy at times. <laughs> and then he says, I wish I'd brought my tape recorder to record the noise at mealtimes. And I just don't know if he, re if he means that or if it's just a rather sort of sarcastic, nasty comment. But, um... I think probably, you know, at those guest houses or wherever, there is an enormous clatter, isn't there? Well, a thousand people, and presumably it's in a big refectory at Pontins. It's yeah, going to be, yeah. you know, very communal living, really. Um, I'll do another quick one. This is um, a picture of, uh, which college is it? King's College, Cambridge. There you are, through some trees and with some amazing daffodils. Um, and someone's sort of hiding behind a tree in a yellow coat. You can hardly see. <laughs> mm, but, um, rather nice. Get out of the way. Yes. Get, no, no, I'm staying here. Fair enough. And um, this card is from, uh, I think, 1987. It's a little bit hard to see. It's been sent to Norwich. Um, actually, it's postmarked in Norwich as well, so it may not have actually seen Cambridge, really. And it says... Um, I just thought, actually, this is, a, a, you know, a, a bit of a reflection on changing technology. It says, after two days of engaged tones, I conclude that your phone is out of order and send this card instead. So there you are. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's ghosting in the old-fashioned sense, just leaving your phone off the hook. It strikes me as quite sad, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I wasn't going to answer the phone, but you finally caught me via a postcard. <laughs> but, um, but also, I think it's this sense that, you know, maybe postcards are just going... 1987, postcards are dying out a little bit, but they're still used when the phone doesn't work properly. I love anyway. that, the engaged tone. It's something that we just, you know, we don't use that phrase anymore. Simply don't use it. You're no. engaged. Right. The, yeah, only, right. the only the only phone calls I get on my landline, <clears throat> which I get twice a day, are people trying to con me out of money. Yeah. Who answers their landline anymore? Certainly I don't. Yeah, I don't have a cell phone, so um, I only use <gasps> landline for voice, uh, unless it's this kind of um, interface. But um, You are I retro, the last... Mark. Well, yeah, it's, uh, um, you know, the, the pressure to conform is, is immense. As, uh, is it a deliberate thing to not have too much technology? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to be too available. I mean, I, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the, the self-protective agency. Tell me about it. It took us a year to arrange this interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the COVID kind of got in the way as well. But uh, anyway, look, I should remind everyone listening at home, Pictures of these postcards will be available on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can see that cross at Chichester, you can see that policeman, you can see those daffodils, you can see that woman hiding behind the tree in Cambridge. Now, Mark and Maria, you've been kind enough to prepare some cards for us today um, and brought them along. Mark, let's start with you. What's the first card you've got for us, Mark? Oh, so this is a, um, an image of the... Um the Woolworth building in Manhattan. It's lovely. And uh, <clears throat> it really is. It's, it's beautiful. The, the, um, the tint is a classic uh, palette from that period. And uh, the story for me was that I found this card when I was rummaging through, uh, you can't really call it an antique shop. It was an antique barn in New Hampshire where my in-laws live. And uh, I came across this card right at the time that I was writing a book about the Empire State Building. And I was... 
uh, completely preoccupied and fascinated by uh, the idea of skyscrapers and tall buildings in general, but especially in Manhattan. And at the time that this postcard was sent, uh, the, the Woolworth was the tallest building in Manhattan before the, yeah, before the so-called race for the sky in the 19, the late 20s and early 30s when the Empire State went up. Uh, and what I love about it is, um, as I, I, I'm sure everybody's noticed in, in those days, people would often write over the image, as you see here. Mm. So um, he's, he's drawn a line through uh, the, the summit of the building, 570 odd feet, 55th story, was up this last winter. And, I love it. Uh, this was sent to um, what's called a, an RFD uh, address in New Hampshire, which is um, uh, what you would call a rural route or a, a communal post delivery point. Oh, really? Because there'd be no postal service to go to the, the more outlying places. Or... No, exactly. So it's it's the classic sort of last 100 feet problem that, that still exists in rural area, right, areas right. for, say, internet connection. So people would come and collect their, their mail. And uh, and it's it, it, I, I try to imagine this story because on the back, he tells of more adventures in New York about going sailing uh, in, in the bay. Um, between uh, the, the foot of Manhattan and over to, to Red Hook and Brooklyn. Uh, you never see sailboats there anymore, I can tell you that. Uh, and so I, I imagine this this young man who's gone off from maybe a farm or, or just, uh, you know, some kind of homestead in uh, New Hampshire to try to make his fortune in New York City. And uh, this is his way of staying in touch with the family at the time. Uh, the prank on this is a little bit obscure, but I think he probably sent it in 1912. It looks like 1912 to me. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it was such a find, you know, um, because it just brought all of these things together that I had already had on my mind. And uh, it's, it's one of my, I, I have a number of postcards, but it's, it's definitely my favorite. It's funny how the, these postcards can resonate in different ways. Obviously, you've got a picture on the front, you've got a message on the back. In this case, you have a message on the front as well. And they can hook into different things that you're already preoccupied by or thinking about. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, because I found it in New Hampshire, it just it seemed to loop between, you know, that that still quite uh, rustic, uh, underdeveloped part of the United States and what you you know you have to think of as the most densely built up and populated uh, square miles of of the whole country in Manhattan, and uh, uh, so I've been I you know it it just uh, it it jumped out at me. It, this place that I'm mentioning, this barn, is stuffed with ephemera. There are magazines going back decades. There are menus from from restaurants all over. I'm getting the quite jealous of this, you know. I am too. I'm thinking, where is this place? I must go there. Yeah, it's on yeah. the list now. It's on the list. Yeah, you you have to be willing to spend a few hours. Um, but no I can problem. tell you, I've I brought brought away many treasures from there, including, uh, oh gosh, a first edition of Carl Van Vechten's book called Parties, which is a neglected classic of uh, New York life and <laughs> menus from uh, famous old restaurants in in Manhattan. A first edition. How much did they charge you for that, Mark? For the for the postcard or the book? No, 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 no. For the first edition, uh, five dollars. <laughs> oh, wow! It's yeah. worth the it's and worth the, the flight. Yeah, and the postcard was one dollar. So, oh. um, and you can negotiate if you're so inclined. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and and if you're buying in bulk, no doubt. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to buy their entire collection of Life magazines, I, they'd probably give them away for free just to get, get them out of the barn. To have the space. I think, I think there's a dynamic here where you're talking about uh, the big city and the rural area. I think one of the things that, that really helped um, charge the kind of uh, acceleration of the, uh, the postcard boom, really, was this sense that people were leaving their rural areas or their, uh, their, their places distant from a city and travelling to the big city. And, of course, it's such a simple way to send back a, um, some kind of souvenir and keep in touch with your family at the same time. Yeah, I, you know, there was um, a, a series of migrations of that kind that really created urban uh, North America. Uh, it happened here in Canada as well uh, and still continues. That So, uh, you know, it was a while before the, the rural urban population tilted to urban, but it's pretty decisive now. And uh, and New York, again, is is the epicenter. It's the, the place where people go to try and realize their dreams, unless unless it's Hollywood, a different kind of dream, I suppose. Uh, but, Nightmare. Uh, the, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's such uh, it's such a glittering kind of, of uh, jewel in in the aspirational uh, constellation that uh, people uh, almost find it irresistible. You know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, uh, famously. And then the thing about cities at this time is they kept creating things that would photograph well. So suddenly there's, you know, there's the Woolworth building or there's um, an exposition in Paris or there's, you know, something else being built. And suddenly there are these great views that you can send back to to, 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 to the, the, the far-flung parts of the country. Yeah, and, you know, the, the design of the, the Woolworth that you see on the postcard is, is uh, quite striking because it's the first example uh, that we know of a so-called setback building. So you can see that, the, you know, the bottom half is a kind of standard, um, fills the whole footprint. Um, and then they decide to build a tower on top of that uh, base. And this was a, you know, a recurring concern about construction in Manhattan that tall buildings were going to block the light. Uh, and so the, the well-known designer called Hugh Ferris, who came up with the setback design that you see on many of the, the vintage skyscrapers in, in New York, where, you know, the successive uh, narrowing uh, or slimming of the building as it goes up. Uh, so it's it's a kind of a hybrid building when you think about it. Um, I find it quite beautiful. In 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 person, it's it's very very white, uh, and and there's a beautiful view of it as you walk across the Brooklyn Bridge from Brooklyn into Manhattan. Uh, so it it remains a landmark, uh, and and really one of the most uh, I think I'm not sure it's beautiful exactly, but it's certainly one of the most striking buildings in in New York. Can we see steam? Is that steam? Those white bits, or is that a damage to the card? Over the building uh, to the left. That is steam, yeah. So um, there, there would have been, uh, presumably, uh, that's from furnaces within the heating systems of those buildings lower down. And it creates a really nice effect, I think, uh, as it sort of points upward and to the left, and then the cloud formation is, is upward to the right, a little higher up on the they, card. They were so lucky with that cloud formation, weren't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they just called it at just the right moment. <laughs> and there's something you write about in your book, Mark, which is this notion of the interface, which is this thing, which is which is how we connect with technology or how we connect with various things, and 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 the effect it has on us and how it works. Is is 
How would the interface, I mean, perhaps you would explain a bit better what it is, how, how would you find the interface with a postcard? If I pick up a postcard, what's going on there? Well, I mean, one way to think about it is that postcards are, in effect, a social medium. They're, they're uh, in today's terms, um, they're equivalent of a combination of Twitter and Instagram. So you've got a limited amount of space to write a message, and you've got an image that you want to share. And they combine in this material object that you can then send through a technological system, you know, namely the, the mail delivery. Um, but I think maybe more interesting to me uh, was that uh, when I started writing about boredom, uh, somebody uh, sent me a copy of Martin Parr's book, Boring Postcards, which I'm sure everyone oh, knows. Yes. A classic, a classic. Yeah, we love that class- one. Yeah. And, uh, and I started thinking about uh, how, how boredom is either conveyed or found in images. And uh, that really gave me my title because, you know, the, the classic, the cliche message is, wish you were here. Uh, and because I was writing about boredom as a sort of displacement of self or um, uh, unrest, um, you know, restlessness, inability to be in the moment, uh, I, I thought, wish you, you, I wish I were here uh, was the right <laughs> title. Uh, you know, I wish I could be here right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so the interface is just uh, a general term. I mean, uh, computer designers use it all the time to mean specific sure. platforms and how they work. Uh, but I use it more generally as any kind of relationship of self to world. So um, and, and usually, uh, well, always, in fact, mediated, even in the most natural condition, we're mediated between consciousness and the world. Sorry, that sounds a bit um, academic. Uh, <laughs> but um, so postcards offer this as, um, you know, they're a medium of communication. And Mark, can I ask you a question? The, um, do sure. you think that because we're all uh, suffering, you know, being locked down with the pandemic, do you think boredom has changed with a, an element of stress that goes with it? Because being in the moment is very, very hard when you have fear. And a lot of people are suffering fear. So yeah. ha- has it changed, do you think, in these last 10 months? It, I, I I absolutely do. I think it's uh, it's it's been heightened and also altered uh, because boredom really is a form of anxiety. Um, yeah, and it and it even can lead to addictive behaviors, or at least quasi or semi addictive behaviors, and where you're constantly seeking stimulus to relieve your feelings of restlessness or or um, instability. And when people are spending much of their time indoors uh, and uh, much of their time online. Uh, there's no question in my mind that that it has changed and heightened. So, uh, do you have any my, solutions? My, well, um, <laughs> let's get some value to, out of you. Well, yeah, really. uh, Maria's in the lucky condition that even though the sea is cold, she can she can go for a swim. I mean, I yeah. wish I could go for a swim. Um, I, 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 you know, we're, our our state of of embodiment. Uh, you know, the need to be uh, kinetic. Uh, has to be answered. So we spend too much time sitting. We need to get outside if we can, uh, even for a short walk every day. That's, I agree. that's been totally. my, yeah. So, uh, and I think it, turn the screen off if you can, that, that takes some discipline, but uh, it, you can acquire a new habit there. And um, I think that that's really important. Uh, you know, we, we send messages all the time, but um, one of the things that postcards remind me of is the time, difference so uh this this young man writes a a postcard to his family presumably uh 
And that's a moment in time. And that's his state of mind at that moment. And then they receive it and they get a message from the past in their present. Uh, but that's a connection be between mm. their two states of mind. And uh, that's that's really what I think is um, so interesting about this this particular medium. And, and really any old fashioned male. It's a bit calmer than the instantaneous digital communication or, or this notion that when you're looking particularly on social media and this endless kind of, um, the, the endless scrolling through things that are always present, there's always more, there's always more, but they, they even leave your brain after a few seconds. They're sort of, um, they're, they're, they're evanescent, there's nothing to them. Whereas a post, if you get a yeah. postcard, it, you can hold it in your hand, you can turn it over, you can see what they've written on the front, you can use it as a bookmark. There's something a bit more um, satisfying, I suppose. I think that's really true, and also it doesn't demand an <clears throat> an instant response. You know, no. uh, you can you can just receive it as a gift, and it it doesn't have to be reciprocal. Uh, and yeah, of course, the the physicality, the materiality of of the card itself, the image. Uh, there's there's really nothing that substitutes for that in my mind. Yeah, until you can't get in your spare room anymore. But anyway, that's my problem. <laughs> that's my problem. Right, well, th thank you for taking us to, to, to New York, uh, Mark. Now, Maria, what's the first card on your doormat? Well, um, I chose two. I have to say, Tom, that I am as interested, I suppose this is being an actress and maybe a journalist, is that I'm as interested in the what people say on them mm. as um, I am in the postcard itself. And I chose one that I'd found in one of my junk shops in Little like Mark, although he's seven years ahead on me, on 1912. Um, this is from 1919. So, of course, you know, the flu pandemic was in its sort of, you know, at its height, really. Gosh, how, timely, how timely. Yeah. So this um, is the black know, and white image I'm looking at. It's not mentioned, sorry. It's the one, it's the Victorian ladies with their oh, parasols for lovely, the sun. Lovely, um, And so this is a place in St. Leonard's-on-Sea, so it's posted from here to Ashford, quite how it ended up here again, I don't know, to, to Mr. and Mrs. Um, Sims in Ashford, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Sellers, I beg your pardon, in Ashford. And on the front, one of the two beautiful squares in St. Leonard's-on-Sea with Queen Victoria uh, at the front. Now, um, obviously, in these modern days, um, at various events, people leave traffic cones on Queen Victoria's head <laughs> and so Quite on. Quite right, too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, once in a moment of Mark boredom, I took my small dog uh, down to Queen Victoria and a uh, and very lightweight ladder. And I put my dog in a bag and I balanced it over her scepter, oh as it God. were, and, and um, put some red, glittery Dorothy from Kansas <laughs> shoes at the bottom of her. And then I took a series of photographs, which I then made into postcards myself. Wow. I may send you one of these. Um, Perfect. For your records, Tom. And yes. I, I remember somebody saying to me as I removed my ladders, it was obviously a slow day, uh, said, you know, oh, you've defiled Queen Victoria there. And I said, well, I think you'll find it's a statue. Um, and oh. not Queen Victoria at all. This is a, this is um, a complex artwork you're involved in. This is brilliant. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I do like this picture because it's of the lovely square and the, the back houses that you see, rather grand houses, half of that was bombed in the war. And indeed, oh, really? Queen Victoria um, 
there's two bullet holes in her. She's made of bronze, and there are two bullet holes in her, which people say were um, the Luftwaffe as they <laughs> as they came over London, you know, from came from London, and they dropped their bombs often before they hit the Channel, right. and then they chucked a few bullets about. I'm not sure I believe that. I think it's one of those urban myths. But I love the ladies out perambulating with their brollies and their skirts sweeping up, you know, all the horse poo probably on the roads. And then in the bottom right hand corner. <laughs> yes, what's going on there? Well, I think that somebody's selling something. It's either someone playing an organ or something oh, yes, to get yes. money, you know, down in the seaside. Uh, or it's somebody sort of making chestnuts or some such that you purchase. Um, but also, again, this one has been written on, and it says lots of people down here just now. We're about 20 minutes from the sea. That's oh. to Mr. and Mrs. Sellers, in case they were worried about how far they were from the sea. And yes, I'll could just you give us, you the back could you give us an update? I, I, what? <laughs> I, I said, could you give us an update of how many minutes you are from the sea, please? Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is to Mr. and Mrs. Sellers, and it says, Tuesday, having a lovely time, and the weather has been perfect. They had a spectacular spectacular day here on Sunday going by coach to Alfriston this afternoon there is an inn that was built in 1345 although it used to be a religious hostel for monks so glad Vi cancelled her holiday with me as I'm having a much better time oh. Queen Victoria as you can see here is very regal and is made of bronze on a polished pink granite pedestal have met some charming gentlemen this is the life love oh. Ivy Oh, I can see why you picked this one up. I That's mean, I, just, I want to know about Vi. Why did yes. Vi cancel the holiday? And, you know, why would she have spoilt it so? Yes. Clearly, Ivy is having <laughs> meeting more gentlemen herself. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, without Vi being annoying. I remember when I first started collecting these cars. I, I first started collecting these cars from, from that era, and I couldn't believe how fresh the messages were. They just jump out like a piece of like they're talking to you in the same room. It's extraordinary. It's isn't extraordinary, it? isn't it? Because it's not like writing. I think it's more like chatting. They're, they're, it's not like and a also, like a proper letter. I think people like to prove that they know what they're talking about. So you know, her obviously has looked in her guidebook about Alfriston to find that there was an inn yes. that was built in 1345. Uh, but it w used to be something other. Um, and a little bit about Queen Victoria, as you can see here. And she's obviously done her research as to what it's made of and what yes. it's sitting on. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you want to sort of convey that you're having a nice time, but you also want to appear clever and that I'm my life is better than yours. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, and, and just gossipy as well, though. It's lovely. Yeah. But have you noticed by the, by the statue there's some potted plants? Yes. Well, I think people kept, because there were so few gardens, um, people kept uh, this Warrior Square Gardens. There's still flowers, and, you know, it goes through the fashion, doesn't it? In the 60s, it was all garish colours. Now it's a little bit more sort of jungly garden with ferns right. and so on. And the council are very keen to keep to maintain that, the Warrior Square Gardens. Well, I was just going to say, um, apropos of the, the tone of that message, which I, I, I love, uh, there's a huge chest of uh, correspondence in this this house in New Hampshire where my in-laws live and many, many postcards in there. And one thing I've always we, we sometimes bring them out, you know, after dinner to, to read, um, because the one thing that always strikes me is is just what Marie was saying, this chattiness and gossipy quality and and some of the slang, you know, uh, so 
my my spouse's great aunt was um, considered a racy uh, young woman in her day. And she has one where she talks about going to dances and filling out her dance card. And then some of the swains were asking her out uh, and she gave them the air. And I've I've always loved that phrase, which I don't know if it's... She gave them the what, Mark? The air? The air, yeah, which uh, I guess it's not British slang, but in American slang, it is to sort of uh, turn away and reject them. Oh, Oh, I see. You give them air rather than your face and rather than a response. Or the thing that... Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I gave him the air. air. It's lovely. It's a great phrase. You have to say the air, though. You need the definite article. The air. Yeah. But these are cards that actually are connected to your family, then. Yes. So they, um, they have a, a, a really more powerful meaning. Yeah. Now, um, I, I don't have personal possession of any of them because they're sort of safely guarded in this strong box in, in the, the family place in New Hampshire. But... Um, but yeah, they connect back to a whole history of uh, uh, in-laws that go generations. They they've been well, um, you know, since the Mayflower. In fact, on my my spouse's side, uh, they've been in New, New England. So, uh, but all the different periods, and there was you know another a wayward son who tried to get a job in radio, and um, kept writing these these hopelessly optimistic and self delusional messages uh, about <laughs> his the people the interesting men that he was meeting in bars, who, oh. who had opportunities. <laughs> Does that so. does that get you into radio, Maria? I have no idea. Yes, definitely, almost <laughs> certainly. Very good. Well, thank you, Maria, for taking us to uh, St Leonard's and a, a bullet-ridden Queen Victoria. That's excellent. <laughs> um, a, a, another quick card from me now. Uh, this is a this is a card of. Uh, it's actually a post office fellowship centre. Dumbleton Hall, Worcestershire. Uh, on your on your dope sheet, it looks like a sort of rather grand building across a lake with some blossom and a sort of um, cedar tree, I think. Oh, so yes. A, is there a bridge there as well? I think there is, yes. Yeah. Um, and this card was sent in 1987. It was sent to Totnes in Devon. And oh, it's just a little detail that appealed to me. It says, Dear Nigel, how many key rings have you now? Did you carry on collecting or find some other things interesting? And, um, oh, that's too adorable. But as a collector, I, I, I kind of I can feel the pain around that. You know, haven't you stopped collecting yet? What's wrong with you? And also key rings. How many key? You know, you only have so many keys. You can't use them all. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, I, I, I don't know if this expression is, is uh, in currency there either, but uh, around here, um, when people want to make fun of collectors, they say, um, do you want to show me your penknife collection? Uh, because <laughs> I don't know. And, and you know, you see penknives uh, sort of throw away items in every junk shop everywhere. And so people who collect penknives are kind of the uh, the hoarder eccentrics of the collecting world. Well, I think I think that's rather cruel and unnecessary. <laughs> yes, it's always the souvenir thing that something has, you know, uh, Saint Leonard's on Sea printed all the way through, and you can put that on a key ring, or you can put it on a beer mat, or you can put it on a pen knife. Um, yes. And I always feel that they slightly, you know, that that logo slightly spoils it. <laughs> you could scratch it off. <laughs> yeah. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to Podcasts from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. So my guests today are philosopher Mark Kingwell and actress, presenter Maria McCurlin. Now, here's a surprise. We've received a postcard. And the postcard is... This isn't on your dope sheet, so it's a surprise for all. I'll hold it up to the microphone. There you go. It's, a, it's an aeroplane from Banff, Banff, Braniff International. Braniff International. Um, it's an American card, 1968. And it says, the answer is... French, Spanish, Mexican, American, Texan, Confederate. Um, well, I'm sorry, the Walsh family, that's the wrong answer. And on with the business the of the podcast. What's what was the, the question? Oh, we'll I forget never that. Know. I can't remember, Maria. I can't remember. Mark, what's the second <laughs> card you've it. got for us? <laughs> Uh, so um, my second postcard was not uh, sent person to person through the mail, although I did receive it in the mail. And uh, this is, um, I think, a lovely image of a very famous Boston restaurant called Lockover Cafe, uh, which opened in 1875 or thereabouts. Looks great. Uh, although there may, yeah, there may have been an, a, another cafe on the same site. Uh, it's right in downtown Boston. Uh, Winter Place is... Uh, Anyone who's been to Boston will know it. It's part of the uh, historic area. Um, and the story for me about this was uh, my, my spouse, Molly, worked in a publishing firm in Boston for years when she was young. And all of the executives, all of the higher up, uh, all, of, all of the men, of course, at that time, uh, would go to lunch at Lockover and really? uh, drink martinis. Yeah. And um, and then come back and and do nothing productive for the rest of the afternoon. Wow. And she she had such such a, a kind of combination of envy and resentment about the <laughs> lockover that uh, when my older brother was was living in Boston, I said, you know, we really have to go there so you can uh, lay these demons to rest. And uh, so we did. Uh, and you can see it's a small dining room, but it was a, a real fixture in, in sort of Belle Epoque, Boston in the late 19th century and there's some nice features uh, on the card you can see there are these 
quite elaborate steam tables on the right-hand side that are all worked by uh, pulleys. And oh. uh, so all of the, it, yeah, all of the food is kept warm there and then served out. And down past the um, that sort of fetching uh, female uh, painting around the corner is a little bar uh, where they um, they perfected a classic cocktail called the Ward 8, which has to do with Boston politics, as most things do there. Ah, uh, I've now, seen the, reference this, to that, this, that uh, cocktail before, yeah. I didn't know what it was. It's a good cocktail. It's uh, If anybody's interested, I wrote a book about cocktails. So um, it's it's rye whiskey, lemon juice, orange juice, and grenadine. Um, in you heard it here. You heard it here. <laughs> what, what is it called? What's it called again? Ward 8, Mark? Ward 8, yeah. So they, um, they're... What does what, that refer what used to? to? Be called a, well, it's, it's the way that cities are, are broken up in some jurisdictions into wards. Okay. Um, and Ward 8 was a classic uh, swing ward. So um, there, there used to be a term, I don't think it's used anymore, called a ward healer, uh, who was the person who brought the ward to the vote uh, when there was an, a municipal election uh, through bribery or, or um, threats or whatnot. <laughs> Um, Thank God those so, days are gone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's when, a wonderful when, uh, picture, though, Mark. I really yeah. love the, the the bar stalls on the right hand side, and I mean, yeah. it does look like a sort of rather feminine version of a gentleman's club. You say it was all the, the men that that uh, went there, but it, yeah. it, it's quite a sort of feminine looking place with all well, the sconces and the lovely chandeliers. Yeah, and you can see the the stools are this beautiful construction of wrought iron. Um, so, uh, the, the story was, so I went there with, with, uh, Molly and we had a wonderful dinner with my brother and sister-in-law. And then, uh, in 1992, I think, um, they had to close down. And, uh, what, what they did was uh, they sold off all of the, you know, movable items. Ooh, so, ooh. um, in, I like where this a, is going. Yeah. yeah. So what a, did you get? It, what did you get? Well, I got I got this postcard. That was one small thing, uh, and I got oh. some napkins, okay. and uh, and some flatware. Uh, basically, they were selling everything that they that you know could get rid of. And uh, I thought you were going to say you got the picture of the girl at the end. <laughs> All the bar no. stools in wrought iron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I wish, but uh, not not so easy. Um, the other thing is, uh, this is a tiny detail, but they claim to have invented what, what are known here as tater tots, which are a tiny little um, mashed potato fritters. Uh, wow. And um, yeah, and uh, you can get them frozen and they're terrible, but um, they had handmade uh, freshly fried tater tots. And I'm, I'm happy to say that um, I had uh, quite a few when we were there. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a signature dish, you've got to have it. Yes. Very good. And so you, you, this was your souvenir of it, of it closing down. You got it then. That's right. And also to loop back to, um, you know, Mo Molly's uh, experience, because now I feel like there are three moments, um, you know, when she was, was young as an intern at this publishing house called Little Brown, when we were actually able to go there and we had a, a wonderful dinner, but you could feel the, the, the decay kind of creeping on. I mean, that was more than, oh gosh, uh, 125 years, 100 so, 25 years after it opened. Uh, and then when it closed, um, just trying to get a little piece of material history there. But lunch doesn't really exist anymore, does it, in, in proper jobs, I don't think? Uh, you know, that's a good point. Um, I, I quite agree with you. I think uh, 
you know, it's it's no longer um, what, what did Gordon Gecko say in Wall Street lunches for for wimps or losers. Uh, I think nowadays people don't eat lunch because they're they're on the screen all day. Yeah. 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 You have a smoothie. Yeah. Right. What is it? They say <laughs> al desco. Right. <laughs> which is a horrible thing to say well that's very good thank you for i i i, I kind of wish i'd been there for a ward eight now but um you know you can you can stare into these postcards and wish you were there but you don't get any closer it's true but you can mix it yourself tom at home i'll give it a go i'll listen back take down the recipe and see what i can do now maria what's the final card you've got for us this is a floral well card, I think. um Yes, it's a floral card, and um, it's actually a card that I picked up, and it was quite expensive because it's um, it's from the 1940s, and it wasn't written on, and it doesn't actually look like a postcard. It looks like a painting, a very small painting, and it's of the flowers of the Alps in Switzerland. And there Lovely. is a signature on the bottom hand right, but I haven't, my eyes aren't good enough to see what it says, and yours won't be either. Not on a scan. Um, yeah, um, but I just, I love sort of the falling petals. I love the kind of the very vibrant colours and also that the central flowers are standing tall. And then, of course, you know, you sort of, you drift to the edges and your petals start to fall. I'd like it as a metaphor for my 92-year-old mother. Right. And that, that is who I sent it to. Lovely. Um, she, she wouldn't have understood the metaphor. She would have just liked the pretty colours. Um, sure. I sent it to her on the 23rd of the 3rd um, last year when we went into lockdown. And I just felt as I'd chosen a card from you know 1919 when there was a pandemic I'd choose one that I sent to my mum and she kindly sent it back to me for this uh and I wanted to know what my what my thoughts were last year when we went into a lockdown which was just the most ridiculous thing I'd never experienced it felt like and I loved the card and I stuck it onto a larger card to, so I could send this to my mum and I'll, I'll read you what I said oh do I mean, do do it's, it's, it's not old, but here we are. Dear Mum, well, this is all a bit of a horror, isn't it? Try not to worry too much. We're all being safe and very careful. I cycled to Beck's Hill today for my exercise and then swam in the sea. Gorgeous sunny day, but very cold. All work has been cancelled. Agents said it will only be for two weeks. <laughs> I'm laughing now. But I think it's more likely to be a month, at least. The roads are completely empty and last night's dog walk felt very eerie and otherworldly. A terrible virus that no one seems to know that much about. Mum, outcomes are very poor for the sick and elderly, so it's a good job you gave up your disco dancing and clubbing <laughs> habit when you did. <laughs> Trump seems to think it will disappear in the warm weather, but we all know that he is an insane idiot. I hope your carer, Sabrina, managed to win the boxing match we sponsored and that she's keeping you amused with all her lovely chats. I am going to try and use this time to finish my book. Hmm, we'll see. Please look after yourself. Use your walker. Don't fall over. The NHS is way too stretched to be dealing with you. I hope to see you towards the end of May, praying to all the gods. Big love, Maria. Brackets, the blonde one. She has three daughters. <laughs> um, and oh, that's, I just that's have beautiful, to... Maria. That's beautiful. You had everything in there. I mean, you you were kind of prescient because all the issues that have arisen over the last year, whatever it is, you've kind of touched on them all 
even on the 23rd of March. Well, yes, the first day of lockdown, I kind of felt that I wanted to make sure she was okay um, because I was clearly not feeling okay. Hence, you know, mad cycling and swimming. And um, (laughs) and I wanted her to know that we were okay. She not to worry about us, even though I, of course, was very worried. And, you know, Trump has been uh, on everyone's mind for the last four years and mercifully not any longer apart from impeachment, um, whether or not that goes through. And, you know, there's nothing much that goes on in my mother's life, apart from with her lovely carer, Sabrina, and the chats and so on. So it's quite hard to write to somebody who, uh, sadly, her eyes have now diminished so much in the last year that um, I cannot send her any more postcards. So it's the last one I sent her. It's quite sad. Yes. Well, it was a lovely one. It really was. And it was a lovely picture, actually. Isn't it the most beautiful picture from the 1940s? Where did you get it from? Of course, one of my junkie shops. Good, I mean, good. I'm very, very jealous of Mark going to the sort of, you know, <laughs> end-of-life sale for that lovely restaurant. I, I, I wanted to add, you know, um, one of the things that I find haunting about the image in my postcard right now is that the, the restaurant's empty. Uh, of course, I mean, it's, yes. It's, it's closed as of 2012, as I said, but... Uh, they, I, I, like many people, I really enjoy eating out with friends and, and you know, going to have drinks and so on. And one of the biggest uh, deficits in life lately has been that lack of, of uh, socializing possibility. So yeah, I don't go to discos anymore, but, no. uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I do like to go to restaurants when, when it's possible. But if you're producing postcards of a restaurant, you kind of have a problem. You either go for the empty one which risks looking like a ghost story or like something from The Shining. Or you have people sitting there and then you have a danger that they look dreadful. So you kind of, it's not easy to to do a restaurant uh, postcard, I don't think. But don't you love, though, Tom, all the sort of, you know, the staged restaurants or bars or whatever from the 60s, where they clearly just got lots of models in gorgeous miniskirts and pointy shoes and bouffant hair, you know, to be sitting, sipping cocktails and looking very chic. Because the idea, again, with a postcard is to make it look aspirational and that, you know, I wish you were here. Uh, although I don't really because I'm having a nice time on my own. But it's a shame you're not here is what people are really saying when they say that. Yes, I wish you were here is underlining the fact that you're not here, isn't it? <laughs> you know? But if your boo sucks, you're not here. Yeah, it's a bit of that. Well, and and um, who who was it in, in your first postcard, Maria, the, the person who would be the mood killer who if she had come on the vacation? Oh, the uh, mood killer. Yes, that was, uh, was Vi or something, wasn't it? Or Vi, was yeah. It? Yeah, yeah. Vi, I'm glad I didn't come here. with her because I'm having a much better time. <laughs> yeah. that, that, is def- that is glad you're not here, isn't it? Glad she wasn't here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently she cancelled, you see, the holiday. They were going together and then she cancelled. And yeah. she was glad that she cancelled because it actually meant that she had a much nicer time. I want I want to know what she sent, the postcard she sent to Vi. <laughs> so yeah. sorry you're not here. It was such a shame you had to cancel. Yeah, yeah, rubbing her nose in it. Well, look, thank you both so much for these cards. We've gone from, you know, New York to Boston to St. Leonard's to uh, some slightly wilting flowers um, and from 1919 to last year. Um I've said it before, I don't never know where the postcards will send us. 
Um, I'm delighted you share them with me and with the listeners and with each other. Um, another quick reminder of everyone at home, images of these cards uh, are going to be on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, so you can have a look, see that we haven't made it all up, um, including one last one in the past postcard style, and this is a multi-view of five windmills in Norfolk um, with a rather jaunty kind of uh, playbill uh, typography, windmills of Norfolk, as if you were looking at some um, music hall or something. And um, this is a very 1970s card, three-piece stamp. And um, the windmills, if you want to know, are uh, Thurn Mill, Howe Hill, Hunsett Mill, Clay Next to Sea and Horning Mill, for windmill fans. Anyway, this was sent to Minehead in Somerset. And it just gives you a tiny fragment of someone's holiday experience. What I like about these cards sometimes, you just get the smallest sliver of something. It says, having good fun, David broken a window. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's the bit you remember if you're a kid. That's the bit you remember, definitely. David broken remember. window. Yeah, typical. Bloody David. Well, dear listeners, um, before we let Maria and Mark log off and bake some banana bread or whatever we're supposed to be doing, um, I've got one more postcard for you both. Now, it's customary for us to end the show with one of these things. I would normally pass it across in the studio. We can't do that. Um, but it is printed out with my, uh, my guests here. And uh, Maria, can you describe this strange postcard we have here? Well, it's a rather lovely picture. It could be a wedding photograph, in fact. Um, there's a beautiful, it, I would say from the hairstyles, it looks kind of 60s, maybe a little earlier. A beautiful woman on the right with sort of um, curled front of her hair with beaming smile and dark eyes. And she is dancing with an equally gorgeous blonde head slicked back with brill cream or whatever um, gentleman. And he's wearing a bow tie and a white jacket. She's got beautiful painted nails and a gorgeous bracelet. I, that matches her necklace. I'm sure it must be a wedding photograph. Well, um, can you see anything unusual about the card? It's got a sort of ring around it, almost like a coffee stain, but quite large. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yes, but it's not a coffee stain. This is this. These are the grooves of a record. It is a musical postcard. Oh wow! Yes. Now, by a certain amount of foresight and planning, uh, young Tom at Wardour Studios Central has this record as a digital file. And I think if we listen very carefully, we'll be able to hear it. There you that go. Is, that, that is so amazing. One thing um, that I noticed is there's the four focus technique here, which uh, is quite unusual. So uh, the couple is in sharp focus and the background is, is out of focus to create the effect of depth, uh, which you see more and more now, uh, Yeah, e even on television. I've seen these before. I've never owned one. Well, I'm always amazed by the quality because it's pretty good. It's incredible obviously hasn't been played very much <laughs> no and this one hasn't been through the post either this it's it's not got a message on the back um it may have been sent in an envelope 
It's slightly frustrating because I'm rather keen to know who these people are, but now you tell me it's a record, they're clearly just models, hence they're, the rather gorgeous. Yes, I think they're just models. Oh. You know, I, won I wondered what the white spot was, and of course now we know it's um, yes. how you put it on the on the, uh, on the spindle table. Yeah. Oh, yes. I wonder where they are now and how old they are now, if uh. they're still alive. Oh, <laughs> they won't be young. Well, as the handsome, mysterious couple from Brussels... <laughs> rotated exactly 45 revolutions per minute. That's it for this time on Podcasts from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts, Maria McCurlin and Mark Kingwell. Thank you both. Thank you. Such a pleasure, Tom. Thank you for having me on. And thank you all for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.